Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Dads, how many of you guys would like a $100 gift card to Academy? We want to just thank you for being a dad. So if you have a card and think, man, I got a raffle. Get a raffle ticket out. We get a chance to get Academy. Here we go. The winning number is 172734. Anybody here? Anybody? Oh, wait, we got a winner. Happy Father's Day. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Man, God is doing some amazing things here at Freedom Church. Welcome to those watching online, and I'm so glad to see you here on site. Sometimes when you come on site, you get to win some prizes. For those of you that are online, uh, I'm sorry, we'll get some prizes for you next time. But, uh, man, awesome things that are taking place, and God is moving. And one of the cool things that are taking place is you guys heard me talk about it when I, when I was here a couple weeks ago before we, uh, man, uh, restful vacation, by the way. Thank you guys for praying for us, and we had a great time. Uh, we are getting ready to adopt a church, New Hope 365, and we're excited about that process. I just want to give you a couple of dates of when that's going to take place. June 27th is our Better Together event. We're going to show up here at 6 o'clock. And we're going to pray and we're going to set the atmosphere. And at 6.30, they're going to come in and we're going to meet our brand new brothers and sisters. We're going to have food. It's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be an incredible time. I'm so thankful about that. How many of you guys say, Pastor B, I'm going to be here to help welcome them. And we want to make them welcome and we we'll just invite them into the family. So what does it look like after that? Well, through the month of July, they are going to kind of close out their services there at New Hope. And then in August, what's going to happen is they are going to come here and uh, join us as a church family. So in the middle of that time, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be able to uh, kind of working on everything, assessing everything, kind of making everything set up, and then move to that old facility probably in about two months, probably like October or something like that where they're at. And then that gives us time to figure out what takes place. Some of you guys are asking, Pastor B, what does that mean for us? I know we have now we have not just one, but two pieces of property here in Round Rock. What are we going to do? We're praying. We're asking God to direct us and, and lead us and make the mo- most cost-efficient kingdom decision. I want you to pray and, and, and uh, ask, ask the Lord for his direction and wisdom because what's taking place is this. Man, some of you guys you know that we started the we broke ground, but it's crazy how the Lord directs in every situation, in the middle of everything, because of the rising pro- uh, prices and ho- building homes and everything. The project went up in just two months that we were building $1.1 million, which is crazy. Well, so, but, but, and we're like, but that stopped everything when we didn't lay the foundation. And because of that, that laid the way for this church to say, because he kept on calling me, have you laid the foundation? Now that we laid the foundation, we said no. But how many of you guys know God sometimes delays and shut doors, come up to brand new open doors? So now we have a ton of opportunities and possibilities to see where God's leading. So you can just pray with us as we move forward right now. We're, we're testing the ground. We're doing some different things to see what would be the most buildable place. Because regardless of where we go, we're going to build somewhere, right? We need to build that property and that building right now will not hold us man, on the plans that God has for us. So we're asking God for wisdom and direction. So that's something you can pray into. I know I wanted to give you an update, but God is doing some amazing things, mind-blowing things here in this season. So thank you for being part of that. You know, every Father's Day, Jimmy Fallon did this thing where he asked to somebody to hashtag the phrase, stop it, dad, with something funny 
weird, or embarrassing that their dad does. Here's some of the funniest things that people tweeted about their dads. At Thomas Honeyman said this, For five years, my dad drove past the hayfield to school. And every day for five years, he pointed and said, hey, and laughed. Hey, hey, dad jokes, right? At Kendall MK9 said this, whenever my dad goes into a fitting room, he always yells, there's no toilet paper in here. I love that. That's a great idea, right? I haven't done that, but sometimes I'm bored shopping with my girls. I'm going to steal that. At Nick B. Castino said this, my dad walked to the shirtless greeter at Abercrombie and Fitch and said, your shift is over. I'll take it from here. <laughs> yes. At Phil Barnhill said this, my dad works on his laptop in a recliner while watching sports and claps his feet when something good happens. <laughs> love that. We love you, dads. Happy Father's Day. We celebrate you this morning. So let me ask you a question. If you could describe God with just one word, one word to describe God, what word would you use? I heard love. Some people would say king, creator, powerful. Though God is all those things, according to Jesus, the word that he uses to describe God in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, is the word Father. Let me take you deep for a minute. Think about this. God, for all eternity, has been Father. He hasn't always been a creator. He was a creator when he created, but, he, but creation has never always been eternal. He became the same thing with judge. He hasn't always been a judge. But for all eternity, God has existed as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this radical new understanding to who God is. And he says, God is your Father. Like I told you last week, in the entire Old Testament, God is only referred to as Father 14 times and never in a personal sense. But in the Sermon on the Mount, in just three chapters, Jesus 18, tells, 18 different times tells us that God is our Father. And the word that Jesus uses for Father is the Aramaic word Abba, which means Daddy, which is this most intimate form of Father. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is pointing to us the closeness of the relationship that God desires to have with us. And when it comes to connecting God with God, God wants to be known as Father. That's what Jesus is telling us. And look at how Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, our, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, in this prayer, is teaching us how to relate to God. This isn't a prayer to be repeated, but a prayer with principles to be emulated. This is a prayer we've all heard growing up. But most, time, most Christians don't truly comprehend the power behind this prayer. Many of us memorized it. Growing up, I grew up in a faith tradition where I had to repeat it over and over several times before I went to bed. But this prayer isn't a ritual, it's a guide. Kind of a, a trail guide that leads us 
to know God more intimately and how we begin to walk in a close relationship with the Lord. And the first thing that Jesus describes in this kind of guide to know God, he says the first thing you got to do in prayer, you got to prayer acknowledges God as Father, our Father in heaven. Of all the titles I've ever held in my life, the one title that I love being called the most, it's not even close, is the title Daddy. My heart still skips a beat when my girls call me Daddy. I love being a girl dad. I love embarrassing my girls like, no, you wouldn't believe. I love going to the cheer games and right down there yelling at them, spirit fingers, babe. I mean, they're just laughing and trying to throw them off. Even in college, I'm doing it. I love messing with my girls. One of the things, I, I love picking them up at school, rolling down the windows, putting the car seat back and bumping to Lecrae and just embarrassing them. I love that. I love loving on them. I love spoiling them. And in everything I do for my girls, I'll tell you this. You know what, dads? You only have their best interest in mind. And when we realize that God is our father, two things happen. It revolutionizes how we see God. And it revolutionizes how we relate to God in prayer. And Jesus said, if you're going to really know me, if you're going to really have a great prayer time, if you're going to know everything, you've got to realize that he is your father. But here's the challenging thing. Most people don't see God as father. They see him more like some divine policeman. When they come to God, they come to God like the person who was busted 90 miles an hour going on a 70. You've ever been that person? They negotiate with God. They try to get God to reduce their sentence. And if a cop lets you off for a violation, you can appreciate it. But you can never love the policeman as a child loves their father. For other people, they view God as kind of a business partner. They think the relationship with God is based on performance. If they perform a certain ritual, ritual, if they do a certain thing, then God owes them. God, I've been going to church. God, I've been praying. God, I've been serving. God, I've been tithing. Why is this happening to me? Have you ever been there? You're like, God, I've been doing all the right things. I don't understand why this is happening. Let me tell you, if that is your mindset, you got to repicture your idea with God because God is not your business partner where you do him favors and he does you favors. When we perform a certain ritual, we think God owes us. But when you view you God, when you view God as a business partner and you don't get what you want, what happens? You get mad at God. Why? Because we see God as a means to an end. So let me tell you, God is not your business partner to perform for. God is not a poli policeman to negotiate with. Jesus says this. He is your father that loves you and cherishes you. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is making us aware that it's Christians, we are children of God. And the way that you as a parent feel about your child is just a small glimpse about how God feels about you. Think about how you feel about your kid. That's just the smallest glimpse of how much God cares about you. The great theologian and thinker J.I. Packer said this, that if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. As a pastor, one of the major issues I have people deal with all the time is father issues, is these dad wounds. And I've seen people that sometimes even in their 30s, their 40s, 50s, and 60s are still trying to get away from the pain that was caused from a father that was aloof, that was distant, that was not there. Having a bad father experience is one of the main things that keep people from faith in God. 
Sigmund Freud, who's not a Christian, Christian, obviously the father of modern psychology, famously said this, nothing destroys someone's faith in God like a bad relationship with their dad. And he would know because he had a horrible relationship with his father. Paul Witz wrote a book called God and Small Topics. In his book, he pointed out that most of the great atheists of the past century, Freud, Huxley, Voltaire, Hume, all had bad relationships with their father. And in his book, he concluded that someone's view of their father is often the weightiest factor in the development, the, the development of their faith. And I know some of you this morning, when you think about your father, you don't have positive emotions. He was absent. He was abusive. He wasn't there for you. But this morning, by the power of God's word and through the words of Jesus, I want to let you know your earthly father loves you, cares about you. He is not, I mean, your heavenly father loves you, cares about you. He is not like your earthly father. He is perfect. He cherishes you. He feels your every pain, watches your every step, wipes away your every tear. And when we realize that God is our daddy, and he cares deeply for us. It'll change forever the way you pray. It'll change your faith. Your prayers will come from a place of security and confidence. You'll stop bargaining with God. You'll stop trying to earn God's approval. You'll pray bold, faith-filled prayers. You'll come into God's presence with an expectancy that your father is willing and able to meet your needs. And my girls are a great example of this. My girls understand I love for them. My, my love for them. It creates this relationship that no matter what they need or what time it is, they will come into my room and ask me for something. They don't care if it's 3 a.m. and I got to work the next day. If they're sick, they'll walk into the room and they'll tell me. They know that I'll do everything in my power to take care of them. And that's the way your heavenly father is. And when they understand, no, not always, but when I do say no to their requests, it's for good reasons. For example, every summer we go to New Mexico to visit my family. It's a long drive. How many of you guys have driven through Texas on both sides? Texas goes on both sides. Man, and I love you if you're from West Texas. I go there to go to New Mexico, but West Texas is the ugliest part of the state. It's gross. It's long. Tumbleweed. It's the middle of nowhere, Texas. And every time we're in the middle of nowhere, West Texas, a lot. Nevada tells me, Dad, I got to pee. And sometimes she watches after she tells me she has to pee as I pass gas stations. And I tell her this, hold it a little bit longer. Why? Because I want to get there faster sometimes, but not always. No, I tell her it's not because I'm being mean. It's because I know she can hold it. And I know the restroom just down the road is much cleaner than the filthy one I'm passing. Because I've been there before. I've driven that hundreds of times. And I want what's best for her. I don't want her sitting in some nasty toilet there. And your father, sometimes even in his nose, even in the delays, even what I'm saying, like even sometimes when we don't see it, what God wants you to know is he's your father and you can trust him in the closed doors. You can trust him in the pain. You can trust him in the hurt. You can trust him as he looks like you're passing your opportunity. And you've asked God, God, I've asked you this. He says, just wait. There's something better for you down the road. Trust me. I'm your father. Tim Keller says this. God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Powerful. Our God is a loving father and we can trust him. 
In prayer, we start by acknowledging that God is our Father. That leads us to acknowledging God's character. The second thing about prayer that Jesus teaches us is this. Prayer acknowledges God's character. Our Father, since we're in heaven, He's your heavenly Father, has a lot more power than your earthly Father. Know that. And then He says this word, underline, circle, highlight, smiley face, this word, Hollywood be your name. When I, the word, when I hear the word Hollywood, I think of Halloween. But Hollywood doesn't mean that. It means, well, you know what it means? It means valued. It means important. And to hollow God's name is to honor God's name. Jesus is, tell, is telling us that prayer starts with understanding that God is our Father, and then it gives God the honor in our life that He alone deserves. See, Jesus in this prayer, he breaks down the different types of prayer. He's, he starts off with adoration, then he goes to praise, then he'll go to submission and petition and confession and deliverance in there. But why does he start with it? praise? Because this, the psalmist says, man, I enter his courts with thanksgiving and I enter his courts with praise. That it is praise that leads us into the presence of God. And when we start by lifting up the name of God, God, you're my father and you're in heaven. And let me tell you about your name. It begins to build faith in you. One of the things I love about God so much that he's so big and he's so awesome, there's not a single word that can describe him. So in the Old Testament, when God's people had so many names for God, one of the names for God was Jehovah Shalom. That means that God is my peace. That means in the middle of how difficult it is and the circumstances and the world falling apart around him, that I can have a shalom because that's who my God is. And when you get to prayer, what happens? You understand he's your father and then you start crying out on his character and it builds faith in you you and it strengthens your prayer life another name in the old testament for god was jehovah shikanu that god is my righteousness that he makes me right with him that i don't have to stand in my own righteousness or my own good deeds but god has made me right because of his son jesus God has another name in the Old Testament, Jehovah Jireh. That means he's my provider. That means God wants to step in and meet my needs. And we've seen him. If you've been walking with God for so long, do it over and over before. God has another name. It's Jehovah Rapha. That means God is my healer. If I'm sick, he can heal my body. I've seen God heal my body. I've seen God heal Jennifer. I know that my God is a healer. And we can stay all, night, all morning just going on the names of God. But man, what we got to do is just cry out to the names of God. I think many of us think taking the Lord's name in vain means saying a cuss word after the name of God. But that's not what it means at all in Scripture. You know what taking the Lord's name in vain means? It's calling God my righteousness and still holding on to sin. It's calling God my peace and trying to hold on to problems and trying to figure things out by myself. It's calling God Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and not trusting him with my tithe and my finances and not giving. That's how we take the Lord's name in vain. But when we honor the name of God and we call out the name of God, when we hollow God's name, this is what it does. It gives us, it gives us a clear picture of who God is and what it does. It gives us a clear picture of how he wants to move in your life. So you see, this is, a, this, this is not just a cute little prayer. But this is a guide for us to enter into God's presence that Jesus himself gives us. The third thing that we see through Jesus tells us this, is prayer seeks God's priorities. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, we follow a different king. And we're building a totally different kingdom than the kingdom of the world. And Jesus says, when we come to God in prayer, it's not about us. It's about him. His will for our lives, his purposes. But most people, when they pray, they leave the why out, and it sounds more like our kingdom come and our will be done. 
Our prayers oftentimes sound more like mandates to God than in than, in see, than seeking his will for our lives. It's more like we're asking God to co-sign our dreams rather than submitting and surrendering to his plans for our lives. Sometimes we do this. God, give me the job I've been wanting instead of God, where would you want me to work? God, you know I've been asking for that special person to fall in love with me that will marry, that will marry and have a great life instead of God, would it be your will for me to marry that person? God, give me a new house in that neighborhood instead of God, like where do you want me to live? See, prayer is not about getting what you want. Prayer is getting to the point in your relationship with God that you want what he wants. That's what prayer does. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes you. And let me tell you something. One of the reasons that you know that you're walking with God, one of the reasons that you know that God is moving in your life, let me tell you how you see answered prayer all over your life. That you're seeing answered prayer because 1 John 5, 14 says this, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. So when you're walking in the will and the plan of God, you will see every day your mind will be blown that God is moving in your life because one of the things that you will see is answered prayer. And let me tell you, over the last several years, one of the things that I see over and over is God's answer to my prayers. It is blowing my mind. This year, at the beginning of a 21-day fast, I laid out a list, and my list was different than when I first started. My list was more surrendering, submitting, and God has literally answered every one of the prayers that I've been praying of the year for 20 2021 is because we say, God, I'm not asking you, Lord God, to co-sign my dreams. Lord God, I want to sign up for your dreams. I want your will. I want your plan. I want your purpose. And when we come in alignment with the mighty God, prayer becomes powerful. Because he's not a genie. He's not a waiter that we rule and ask to move on our behalf. He's saying, God, he's a king that we bow before and say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. I told you that this... This is a revolutionary message. If you let it, this could be the most important message you will ever hear preached because it will teach you how to connect with God in prayer. Number four, prayer acknowledges my needs to God. Matthew 6.11, give us today our daily bread. See, prayer is very practical. Jesus in the middle of this prayer tells it's okay to ask for the stuff that we need. See, bread was needed for survival. Jesus is saying it's okay to ask for bread. Not cheesecake, not steak, not a ribeye though I would like one for Father's Day, Jennifer, just saying. Not candy, but bread. Bread was one of the main staples of food that the Jews ate. And some of us really struggle and we say, I, I don't know, really know what to pray for. Like when I get in there, I, I start praying and after like 10 seconds, my mind goes blank. Most people think prayer is hard. I can't tell you how many people over the years have told me, Benito, I don't know what to say when I pray. Let me answer that question with a question. What do you need? I don't know what to say. What do you need? I'm not sure what words to use. What do you need? That's what you should pray about. Well, I need a car. God can give you a car. I remember sometimes when my car was broken, broken down, I didn't have the resources or the money at that time. I said, God, you know I need a car? And God gave me a car. Some of you guys say, I need a job. God can give you a job. Man, some of you guys, I, I need God to heal me. God can heal you. Some of you are like, I don't know if I need it or I want it. Just talk to God. Let him sort that out. My girls, every Christmas, they come with a huge list of everything they want for Christmas. How many of you guys have your kids do that? And I don't get them everything they want. I get them everything they need. And some of the things they want because I love them. Let me tell you, Freedom Church, your daddy loves you. 
And he wants to meet your needs. And there is no need too small that God doesn't care about. So how awesome would he, Lord, I, I, I need your help. I, I need your grace. I need you. If we would just go around saying, God, I need you. I need, I need you. He, he would lead you. What if this morning you wrote down something that you need, and for the next 30 days you asked God to meet that need? Watch how God meets it. Some of you are thinking, I can't possibly bother God with something so simple like a new pair of glasses or tires for my car. It, let me tell you, if it's important to you, it's important to God. God wants to heal your headache. God wants to touch your body. God wants to give you joy. But the reason that we do not have those things is because we don't ask God. James says this, that we have not because we ask not. And 100% of the prayers that you never pray will never get answered. But when we say, God, meet my needs, he will. See, prayer isn't rocket science. What do you need? The fifth thing that prayer does according to Jesus is this. Prayer seeks God's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is where we begin to ask God to make us like him, to forgive us of our sins. This is where we say, God, make me more like you every day. Expose the areas in my life that don't reflect you. It's where we come into his presence and we see how much we need him. And we say, God, forgive me. Every day we should ask for God's forgiveness. And we should also pray for God to help us forgive those who have offended us. This is where a lot of prayers and a lot of Christians lose steam in their spirituality. This is why so many people grow stagnant. I would say in all my life of being a Christian, walking, as, walking through people, through issues as a pastor, this is the number one place where the prayers get stopped and spiritual vibrance becomes stale. Is because we don't forgive others. And when we don't forgive others, man, the Bible says that it begins to impact how God relates to us. Because here's the thing about the cross. The cross is vertical because it restores our relationship with God but it's also horizontal because it restores our relationship with others and when we have a heart full of bitterness and sin we cannot connect with God I'll talk about this more next week but Jesus says this story if somebody has a sacrifice and they're going to come to God and they have something against their brother they got to go back to their brother before they go to God and for some of you I don't feel God he's distant I don't know why I can't feel his presence i have man there's just block and i know for some of you that block is because you're holding on to bitterness what's more powerful what was done to you or what jesus did for you and if we allow the bitterness and the pain and the hurt that other people caused us it'll stop us from hearing from god and knowing god so jesus is saying these are the words of jesus and the sixth thing that Jesus tells us, prayer asks for God's deliverance. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is a prayer that I've just learned to pray in the last couple of years. I really didn't pray it until two years ago. Prayer acknowledges God as Savior and our need of his deliverance. It acknowledges how much we need him. This is a prayer that will change your life. As I've prayed this prayer over the last couple of years, I have seen God's power in my weakness. I ask, I ask God every day to deliver me from the evil within my own heart. But here's the reality. If you don't really understand how evil you are, you can't pray this prayer. Like I told you a couple weeks ago, C.S. Lewis says this, no man knows how truly bad he is until he has tried really hard to be good. 
Alexander Schultz, the great philosopher, said this, the line of good and evil is in the heart of every man. We're all created in the image of God. When we fell, we all have different areas of our lives that need him. And every day I say, God, deliver me from me. Am I the only one, Lord? Deliver me from my selfishness. Deliver me from my pride. Deliver me from my ego. Deliver me from my loss. Deliver me from my greed. God, I can mess these things up. Lord, I need you to deliver me from me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is what Jesus says. But if we have everything all together, Jesus tells another story. There's a man who is a Pharisee. And he says, Lord, thank you. I'm not like everybody else. Thank you that I, I tithe and I give. And Jesus, there's another man that's beating his chest and says, God, I need you. God listens to the prayer of a person that needs his deliverance because we cannot win the battle against evil by ourselves. You cannot live and conquer the, the things of the flesh by yourselves. But there is one who stepped out of heaven. He conquered death hell in the grave and he wants to deliver you from you another thing that prayer tells us to do is king james translates it deliver us from the evil one there are schemes there's attacks there's a spiritual battle freedom church the enemy has different strategies that he's coming against you and we got to pray for god's deliverance I, I don't know if you prayed like i said i started praying this two years ago and it's changed my life I say, God, deliver me from the schemes of the enemy, the attacks, the things. Help me to be discerning. Help me to be aware. Help me to be aware that, Lord, when my coworker says this, man, Lord, that's, that's not them. That's not them. That's the devil trying to get me to fall into bitterness. But when I'm doing this, Lord, deliver me. Give me discernment in those areas. And he will. What a profound prayer that Jesus outlines for us. But before Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said this before in verse 5. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. This is the name that Jesus uses for the Pharisees. He says, for they love to pray, stand in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, this is a command of scripture. He says this, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. Here's a principle that Jesus talks about prayer. I must take time and find a place to pray. People might push back and say this, I can pray anywhere. Because God is everywhere. Well, that's true. Sure, you can pray on I-35 while you're putting on your makeup, checking Facebook, and trying to get to work. Sure, you can pray, Lord, Lord, on the way to school. Don't let there be a quiz. Don't let there be a quiz. Sure, you can pray as you go through the hustle and bustle of life. And sure, God hears us. But Jesus says there can be so much more to prayer. If the only conversation that Jennifer and I ever have is what's for dinner, what time you're coming home, what do you need to do for the kids? If our only conversations are on the go, on the go, on the go, our marriages are going to be very strong. There are times that we need to get alone and be intimate with one another, love one another, have a deep talk, work out some issues. And we must do the same thing with God. And this is the example that Jesus gave us. The gospel says that Jesus was always getting up early and going to a place of prayer. Mark says that. Luke 5.16 says this, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed, just him and God. Nothing was more important to Jesus than his prayer time. Prayer time, if you look at the life of Jesus, is more important than healing, than preaching, than anything he ever did, prayed. And when the disciples asked him of everything that he did, what, what's the one thing that they asked him? Teach us to pray. Jesus' prayer life was not sporadic. It was not on again, off again. It was regular. It was consistent. He had a specific time and a specific place for prayer. He prayed morning after morning. Jesus could stand before any king because he knelt before the king of kings. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a time and a place to prayer? 
Jesus always took time to pray, and he was the son of God. How much more do we need to pray? And Jesus' words and example tell us that we must find a place of prayer. And he says this, this is the litmus test to see if you really love God. In verse 5, Jesus said, the hypocrites pray so that people can see them. But when you pray, when nobody else is around, this expresses how much you love your father. For many years of my ministry, I was so busy doing things for God, I wasn't spending enough time with God. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I didn't pray. I would always pray. But I didn't lean into prayer. I wasn't dependent on God through prayer. After I'd pray, I'd put God in the box and I'd try to take the problems by myself. I would try to figure the day out by myself. But let me tell you what I've learned. Over the last four years, I have really felt the power of prayer. And I've learned to lean into God. And I've learned to see God. And I've learned to see God. And I've learned no matter what has come my way to say, God, I need you. And during these last four years, I've seen God move in my life like never before. He's performed amazing miracles. Some of you guys remember four years ago, there was a time that we had $1,400, $1,500 in the bank. Today, he's given us land. He gave us $1,000 in a month to buy the land, $500,000 uh, by, by the end of the year so we can start doing the process of getting everything going. Now, instead of one piece of property, we have two pieces of property. God stirred a church family in our city to be part of our church and to give us uh, and, and begin to join with us. And they would begin to give us one of the most prime locations in all of Round Rock. This is all that God's doing. It's not because of strategy. It's not because of anything we've done our own. It's because, man, we decided as the elders in the church to get alone and start praying and start seeking God. And no man can receive the glory but God for what's taking place. Only God. Personally, he's given me complete victory over attitudes and areas I've struggled with my entire life. And Freedom Church, this is what I believe. God is calling us to prayer. Charles Spurgeon said this. A burden, to pr- a burden to pray is the God of the universe summoning you into his presence because he wants to share his heart and his plans with you. Think about that. What if, what if the president, what if the king said, hey, let me share my plans with you? That's what the king of the universe is telling you. So here's my question to you. Are you setting an appointment with God regularly? Do you pray? A time not to be interrupted. A time to get away from the emails, the social media, your phone, the distractions of your life. And over the last four years, as I have made intentional space for God in my scheduling, I've experienced God move in indescribable ways. I've heard God speak clearly and undeniably. I've felt his, oh, I've felt his spirit overwhelm me. I feel him. Give me, he, sometimes he gives me dreams in the night. He wakes me up, and I feel the burdens for the world and for the city, and he wants to do the same for you. Will you take time to pray? So as I close this message, I want to challenge you with a 10-10-10 challenge. Here's the 10-10-10 challenge. For the next 10 days, find a quiet place and read your Bible for 10 minutes. And then after you read the Bible for 10 minutes, I want to challenge you to pray for 10 minutes. And after you pray for 10 minutes, I want you to sit there quietly and see what God is speaking to you. And here's what I promise you, after 10 days, it'll change your life. Here's the thing about prayer. Prayer seems overwhelming. It seems boring. But discipline leads to desire and desire leads to delight and when you begin to discipline yourself you'll begin to delight in the lord and you'll find yourself man i can't go a day without prayer i need him like every day i said god before i respond an email before i do anything before i write my message before lord lord i need a set of time to pray i need you god wants to move in our lives 
in an incredible way. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.